Hi, and welcome to the ASA Podcast, the program for automotive professionals that keeps you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. I'm your host, Tony Mala, and we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it will help you make a difference. This podcast is sponsored by Mitchell One, the industry's most complete line of information software tools, including their exclusive real fixes for your professional repair shop. For more information and a free demo, visit MitchellOne.com. Hi, I'm talking today with Frank Leutz, owner of Desert Car Care in Chandler, Arizona. Frank is one of the members of our Mechanical Operations Committee, and he also happens to be the host of Wrench Nation. Frank, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Frank, you were recently in Las Vegas at Apex, and I know you sat on one of the panel discussions at Apex EDU. I believe it was concerning the advanced driver assist systems. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. There was a lot of engagement regarding how the industry can handle the technology by way of from a two-bay garage that is 1,500 square feet to a multi-store operation. So there's a lot of engaging conversation about the future of ADAS as it relates to your corner garage. Wow. Who was on the panel with you? How many were there? We had three gentlemen from ASE. So that was a good cross-section. We can talk more about what ASE is developing for the future. We also had a gentleman from CarQuest, Chris Chesney. And then we also had myself along with the gentleman from AASA, MIMA, that moderated. And so, you know, we got into the engagement about how the common garage, you know, remembering that ADAS by way of fitment in a common garage may be a difficult proposition. So how do we handle that? How does the average garage keep their work inside of their garage and not let that go uh, from an aftermarket perspective to the dealer where there's a possible loss of client through this technology? I believe the gentleman from ASE was Dave Milne. Yeah, I can just tell you that it was a nice cross-section. And, you know, Tony, for our listeners here, ASE is an absolutely important and vital function, as many know, regarding our certifications. You know, uh, we don't have shop licensing. The next best thing is how we prove ourselves in this certification uh, on vehicle systems. So currently, ASE's position is sort of taking a snapshot from the industry. Many folks don't realize, and I know Tony Moley, you did a lot of work with ASE, is that ASE doesn't just come up with the questions for a particular test. They actually take a nice cross-sectional snapshot of where the industry is at and what the industry is saying and where do we need to be. And so that's the phase that ASC is. We learned that ASC hopefully through third, fourth quarter next year should by that point have developed uh, the working process of what would be these uh, advanced driver awareness system technologies testing, which is well needed for certification throughout our industry. Wow. So they're actually developing an ADAS certification for technicians that work on those systems? That's correct. Uh, They may call it something else, but the fact is there will be that higher level of testing. And again, right now they're pulling a snapshot through the industry and working with partnerships to ensure that they develop the right questions and that, you know, ultimately the industry has the ability to add that towards the consumer so that the consumer is confident 
And hey, let's face it, you know, the ADAS technology is across the board, obviously, with the OEs and dealership franchises. And so I think at the end of the day, the sentiment from the consumers that, you know, there has to be transparency about who is working on the vehicle and how are they certified in that category. Well, what were some of the issues that were raised? I know you were there representing shop owners. What were some of the issues raised that are of concern out in the industry, of ASA members in the industry? Is it largely an equipment challenge? Is it an investment challenge, training? What sorts of things are of most concern when it comes to servicing these systems? Well, certainly all the things you mentioned, but I think top level, everyone's mind is how do you take the requirements for ADAS regarding the perimeter of your garage, the square footage that is required? You know, again, we go back to a two-bay shop that does a really good job. They may have 1,500, you know, to 2,500 square feet and, you know, a smaller operation that does very well by way of servicing a vehicle. How are they able to address ADAS and the calibration needs with the actual square footage footprint that's required to perform the calibration. So this is top and center. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about, you know, from my perspective, was just like every point in our garage, in our operations, we need to work really hard to keep everything in-house. Well, if we can't do ADAS immediately uh, in the near future, how do we sublet that out? So we do see the mobile ability. There are mobile services that are starting to crop up, primarily in the collision space and service in the collision space as obviously the collision space sees a lot more of the ADAS need. And so the bottom line is anyone listening now that has that same sentiment, hey, I want to do ADAS, but I just don't have the square footage. You really need to develop a relationship with subbing that out and keeping that work under the banner of your brand so that from an aftermarket perspective, we don't lose that to the dealer. You know, we don't have that conversation with our clients and our consumer that, is, hey, head on over to the dealer, they can do it. So that's the uh, main concern. I, I definitely would agree with you. The training perspective is key. I will say that Chris Chesney has pioneered and leaded a lot of this training. Chris Chesney had discussed that. And you'll see a lot more of this slated for 2020. I think training is key for those that are making the investment. There was discussion about the units that are available uh, out there now that synchronize. Uh, I, I will just throw out there Autel, also uh, additionally Bosch are units out there that are available for purchase. So uh, the bottom line from my perspective is if I had the space, you know, I have a 5,000 square foot shop. If I had the space and I'm still looking about how we can uh, incorporate that, for me, the investment will pay off. And that brings me to the third point here, Tony, that a lot of our listeners need to understand we really need to reverse engineer this from a marketing point of view in our operations. So when we invest in a piece of equipment, we really got to identify first, how are we going to market and how are we going to have a return on this investment? So obviously there was discussion as a corner uh, automotive operation that can work in two arenas immediately for the marketability for this ROI on this investment. And that those two arenas were number one collision garages that, uh, one could uh, work with in your immediate area. And second to that, the windshield companies. Now, the larger windshield companies, you know, they're doing that in-house. Obviously, that's their business. However, a lot of the smaller windshield companies, that can be an arrangement. So, you know, the price of a unit quickly goes away. 
when you can turn around and understand and identify the value to your business by way of marketing to the uh, marketplace. Give me an example. What kind of square feet are we talking about, Frank? I don't have the exact. You know, Chris Chesney did a great job of, of explaining that. I believe, Tony, that there is a forefoot on each side of the vehicle, left and right door would be, I think, four to six feet. And then there's uh, approximately uh, eight to 10 feet front of vehicle, eight to 10 feet back of vehicle to get all of the alignment requirements for those sensors. So as you can see, that requires a pretty sizable footprint. And, you know, there was also conversation about how this technology in the next, you know, two years is going to start blazing away, developing. So the question then quickly became, all right, great, I will invest in this. I have the square footage, but where's technology going to be two years from now? Are some of these systems going to be self-calibrating? In other words, do the manufacturers realize that with the hundreds of millions of vehicles on the road, with the hundreds of thousands of aftermarket garages that exist, how can we really test this as an OE to market, knowing that, okay, well, there's gonna be a high percentage of the aftermarket that we know is servicing these vehicles that may not be able to keep up with that. So that's going to be an interesting play by the OEs to see what will be developed as sort of self-calibrating the best they can to keep systems safe. We'll continue our interview with Frank Lloyds after this word from our sponsor. Mitchell One's family of integrated software helps drive efficiency at every step of the repair. You'll fix cars faster, streamline shop workflow, and launch effective marketing strategies to build your business. Mitchell One solutions include the Manager SE Shop Management System, which gives you the power to manage all aspects of your business. Pro Demand Repair Information delivers complete OEM information and exclusive real-world knowledge in a single lookup. And the Social CRM Shop Marketing Service delivers automated digital marketing and customer engagement tools. For more information about how Mitchell One can help your shop drive efficiency, visit MitchellOne.com or call 800-209-9043. And be sure to ask about special savings for ASA members. And now back to our interview. I've heard the self-calibration being mentioned at a couple of the training events I've attended regarding ADAS. So that is something I know the uh, manufacturers would like to get to, but I don't think anybody has a timeline of when that might happen. Did any of the panelists have any ideas as to how quickly we might see that type of self-calibration technology making its way into the market? There was no definitive uh, listed from Chris Chesney that, of course, he does an amazing job in the training space. Chris Chesney was very adamant about understanding how the technology works. And the fact is that immediately we need to get on board with understanding calibration. And, you know, my perspective to the group and to our audience was really, hey, this is another nugget for your small business by way of becoming the authority. Even if you're not performing in-house ADAS calibrations, it will come up in conversation immediately. So for example, you may have that conversation with an individual that's in your garage for maintenance and they may declare, hey, I was just at the body shop and you know I had some out-of-pocket expense. I didn't go through the insurance. I didn't think it was going to be a big deal, but I had to replace the left side mirror and that ended up costing me an ungodly amount of money. So just the idea that the garage, the service operations can actually engage in an intellectual fashion 
with that individual and help educate them, I think this is a golden nugget. I, I don't think we should be fearful. And what I was expressing to the audience is that we truly need to embrace this regardless of whether we do that ADAS calibration in-house. Are you doing any ADAS calibration in your current shop in, in Chandler, or is that something that you tend to sublet or send back to the dealer? How are you handling it? Are you seeing these things or not? You know, we're not seeing these things in an abundance, quite frankly. I think we had one in the last 12 months, and that was subletted out. Uh, there is a neighborhood collision shop that actually does the ADAS. If I remember correctly, we had a situation with a Volkswagen where we performed the uh, water pump service. Of course, that's a front clip, front bumper pull kind of thing in a labor process. And, you know, it did require that the front camera system had to be recalibrated. So we sent that out. I will say I'm looking. And in fact, you know, as a multi-store operator in the past, you know, I sold two of my locations. I would consider a smaller, perhaps two to three bay outfit that would focus on ADAS and some of these emerging technologies, because I do see that as a future for that. But in the meantime, we're paying attention. We're in a sublet fashion. I have nine racks, nine lifts in a 5,000 square foot facility. You know, we are, we are really tight for space. And so, mm -hmm. you know, my perspective is for my team to just understand in conversation with our clients that we're able to sort of guide and be the concierge and also be the authority for all new technology. And so you keep the customer, as you say, under the brand and have any subletting that needs to be done, you handle that for them. Absolutely. That makes sense. A couple of questions. You had mentioned windshields, that I knew about, and side mirrors. Anything with a camera I know needs to be recalibrated. But I got a phone call from a journalist oh, a couple of months ago, I guess, asking me about a problem that one of his readers had reported. It was one of those consumer reports types things. And the consumer was asking about getting a $500 estimate for a front end alignment. 300 of it, I believe, was for the ADAS calibration. Are you aware of just how far the type of ADAS calibration work would intrude into what some would consider to be normal maintenance? I mean, I get the mirror and I get the windshield, but have you run into any vehicle that needs some sort of calibration process as part of the alignment service yet? We have not, but on the educational front, I do a lot of work for the past seven years with ABC 15, our local affiliate here. And one of the things that we have slated for our segments that are to come through the end of year and beginning of next year is the huge education piece for the consumer to, to understand that these alignments now require a lot more sophisticated technology, which in turn is a required increase in labor time, let's face it, right? Mm -hmm. So the more that we can educate the consumer through media outlets and through perhaps some of these car clinics that, you know, a lot of our garages will do in their communities, again, we embrace that, right? And, you know, we, we continue to be the authority and, you know, we need to emerge with the technology that's out there. And so, you know, it sounds to me like that particular piece Look, the media wants victim stories. And so, you know, typically it's always led with some sort of outrageous price first. And then, you know, I've worked with investigative reporters and we've had to slow that down because the fact is that the price with everything supplied was justified based upon the exact details of a labor process. You know, we're not talking about the bait and switch outfits. We're not talking about 
you know, that sort of scandal. And so I see that coming uh, where, you know, many of our shops may be approached by the media and it's important to declare the facts. It's important to represent the value that is in the price based upon the subscriptions that we have to pay for, based upon the equipment, based upon what is needed to pay a livable wage for a technician in a modern garage. So I see that evolving, and I think we'll be part of that conversation heavily with education. Well, to be fair, it wasn't a ripoff type of story. He was genuinely looking for information on how this technology would impact the vehicles. And we had a pretty good conversation about, look, things change. You know, we're using more expensive materials, collision repair costs more because of it. We're using more sophisticated types of electronic parts and control systems on the vehicles. So some of those prices have gone up. And this is simply another evolution along those lines of electronic content in the vehicle that does come with a certain cost to it. And I did mention the fact that at some point they may be self-calibrating, which would eliminate the problem, but there's going to be a chunk of vehicles that have this technology now that aren't self-calibrating. They're going to be in the market. What average age now is 11 years and growing, I believe, for vehicles. So these are going to be around and on the road for quite some time to come. We personally here at ASA see it as an opportunity as well. Our collision members and our mechanical members, in fact, I think you were part of that discussion. We put the collision yes. guys and the mechanical guys together because the collision shops wanted to know more about vehicle scanning. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think this is part of it. Well, that was great. Any other nuggets you got out of the the panel discussion there that you want to mention? Well, I will mention a big shout out to, you know, for those listening that, you know, may not be able to immediately attend some training. I do want to give a shout out to uh, Scott Brown, a diagnostic network, Tony. He has really thrown himself at the ADAS space. He has converted his, some of his facility for that training. So for those that are listening, they can really take a peek and, and kind of walk through what Scott is doing before they decide to make an investment and also identify what it takes to actually perform a calibration. So, and then certainly a big shout out to Apex uh, this year, Auto Care Association, ASA, AASA, NEMA. We are all partnering. My perspective is, is that we've got to dominate as a, as a partnership, as garage owners, corner to corner, hip to hip. It is important for us during this technology phase to work together. And there was a lot of that sentiment from that ADAS panel. Well, that's great. Uh, Scott and I are good friends, as you know, and you've just given me a reason to give Scott a call to do a podcast. So that's great. (laughs) He would be be spot on. You know, Scott is tinkering. I mean, he's looking at flowcharts as well and following Mm -hmm. procedures, but he's almost inducing the what if this happened, it didn't go right. And I think that's key for technicians because, you know, we go to these training classes and they're great, but it's, you know, essentially reviewing a flow chart. Maybe we got some case examples of what can go wrong, but Scott's just leading the way that way. So I do highly recommend folks check out Scott Brown. Well, that's great. Well, Frank, I want to thank you for your time today. This has been enlightening as always. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. My pleasure. Again, have a great day and I'll look forward to uh, talking to you on the next MOC call. Have a great week. You too. Take care.